Welcome to The Take, where I sit down with filmmakers, actors, and world-class racketeers, and we talk about story, life in the biz, and what it all means. Today I sit down with Emmy Award-winning director and producer Mark Buckland. Mark has directed over 40 television shows and movies. My name is Earl, which he won an Emmy for, Ed, Scrubs, Sports Night, and most recently, The Santa Clarita Diet with Drew Barrymore on Netflix, just to name a few. Mark started off as an actor, so he already has the innate ability to speak to actors in their own language. It is then the technical side of filmmaking that Mark sought to acquire. To do this, Mark used to sit down, put a movie or television show on, and write down every single shot that the director used. Why did the director choose to go to a close-up here? Why did he go to a wide there, and how did that make him feel? Mark put all of these notes into notebooks, which he still references on occasion. It's this attention to detail that has fueled Mark's success within the television industry. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Mark Buckland. I guess in my head, it's easier to see the um, kind of trajectory of a film director than a TV director, mm-hmm. which you are like, you know, like someone makes a short, then they make a low budget feature, then they, you know, maybe that's how it goes. How does one get into directing TV? Because it looks like there's not like, a, you know, a small TV. Sh- I mean, there is levels of TV shows, but. Yeah, there's a million different ways now. Like my, my journey is very different than other people's journeys. But for me, it was, I started off, I moved out from Cleveland I moved out here in uh, like 1985 and I acted for like seven years okay so when I say acted I mean I auditioned and didn't get anything mm-hmm. for seven years <laughs> I did guest spots on some shows but it was very hard right yeah. so and then I started working as a production assistant at Stephen Bochco's company back okay. when he was doing LA Law okay which was like 1985-ish or 6-ish I was finishing school and I was working as an extra I was doing all kinds of things just to get my foot in the door. I knew mm-hmm. I wanted to do something in show business. I thought it was acting, but it, you know, I, I was open to whatever doors open. So I worked as a PA for Bochco on LA Law, and then I worked as Doogie Howser's dialogue coach. Wow. Neil Patrick Harris's dialogue coach on uh, that Doogie Howser MD. And then what did I do next? Then I. So when you said dialogue coach, because you were basically like, you'd go over, work the scenes with him before. Yeah, like I would run lines with him so he would remember the lines. Mm -hmm. And because I had had acting experience, you know, he had to be in school half the day because of the the laws. And we had a stand-in for him who was the back of his head. Okay. So if they would shoot an over-the-shoulder shot to an actor and and Neil had to be in school, it It was was just this guy. But the guy we hired couldn't act. So he would stand there and just move his head. The camera would see the back <laughs> of his head moving. And I would lay on the floor reading the script and be the line, the guy reading the lines. Actually was, responding to the line. It was ridiculous. Uh, but it was fun. And it got me on set. And I really enjoyed being on set. And I was an extra on Hill Street Blues and Pretty in Pink and all these things just to get on set. Yeah. I was so excited at that time uh, just, just to see how it all worked. Um, and then, so I'd been working at Bochco for... L.A. Law and Doogie Howser, and then he came to me. Oh, and then I did a show called Civil Wars with Merrill Hemingway, and okay. I was a post PA or something, and I worked my way up over a couple seasons to associate producer. And then that show went down, and Stephen came up to me and said, "Hey, I have a new show coming up uh, called NYPD Blue, mm-hmm. and I'd like you to be the associate producer on it." And I said, "Well, I'd love to read the script. I mean, you know, you're young, you're cocky, you don't yeah. realize like." When Stephen Bochco comes to you and says, yeah. I want you to take a job, you don't say, I want to read the it's script. Like, let's you see if it's up to par. Take the yeah. job. So I read the script, 
And I go back to him the next day, and I'm not lying about this. I said, I think the cop genre is dead. Is what I said. To him. <laughs> I said, I don't really want to. I don't really want to do the show. So I step. I said no to NYPD Blue. Wow. Because uh, I just felt like I wanted to do something else besides post production. I didn't know what. Okay. Really, I'm just a moron and made a <laughs> terrible choice. So anyway, that show went on to be a huge hit. But I, meanwhile, wrote and directed a short film. You said, you know, a lot of people do short films. Yeah. So I did a short film. I wrote a like a 15-minute comedy film um, that ended up doing film, festivals. film festivals and winning a lot of, not a lot, that's a hyperbole. I won a handful of um, festivals. Mm-hmm. And um, at the time, they were gearing up a new show called Murder One okay. at Botchko. And Greg Hoblet, who was going to direct... Or produce over there. He didn't actually do that pilot. Charlie Hay did that pilot. But said to me, you know, are you interested in being associate producer on Murder One? Um, he said, you said no to Botchko on NYPD Blue. Probably if you say no to this, this door will close. And I said, yeah, I'd love to be associate producer. I need a job. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, you know, for the last six months, I was doing this film. And I'd love you to see it. So I showed it. I left it for Greg Hoblet, who, you know, he did L.A. Law's pilot and NYPD Blue. He was really the guy at Botchko for a long time. So I left him this little 15-minute film that I had done, and I got a call the next day from Stephen Botchko. And he said, I want to talk to you. And I went in, and, you know, Stephen was the guy. Yeah. And I was 25 years old, and I could barely form sentences around him. I was so nervous around him. Um, but he called me in uh, to lunch, and he said, I saw the little film you made. And I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. He said, he said, I think you have some chops. I'm like, seriously? He goes, yeah, I like the, uh, that you had the tenacity to go and do this. He said, on Murder One, I'd like you to come in as a producer instead of associate producer and learn what a producer does. Mm-hmm. And if you show that you can handle that, maybe you can get an episode to direct. And I was like, are you kidding me? This was like the biggest gift in the world. So I went on as a producer uh, and... I like to say it was because I was such a great producer that he gave me an episode to direct. But the truth is, the show wasn't doing great, and he was like had nothing to lose. He said, "If you, you know, towards the end of the first season, if you want to do jump in, jump in, go do it." And I did it, and I had no idea what I was doing, honestly. Like I studied film by watching laser discs back in the day okay. of movies, and I would watch scene by scene. I'd watch a scene. Then I'd play it back on the laser disc in slow motion, and I'd write notes where the camera was, how I felt when the camera did certain moves. Oh wow! And I still up in my bookshelf. I have the journal. Of oh like wow! Thirty movies I went through. I went through all the directors I liked: Spielberg, Weir, Cameron, um, whoever. And I would write. I notes little, of like shots. Like oh, you hear he I went for a close up. Literally, here. like I would draw a little thing. Camera pushed in, and I felt blah blah blah. Yeah. Or it was a tracking shot behind somebody walking, and I felt whatever. And that became my little, and I still go to it sometimes. It's my little kind of cheat sheet for if I want to get an emotion or create some sort of tension. How do how do other people do it? Who can I steal from? Very cool. Yeah, it's very cool, and I still use it. So anyway, the first episode I did, I, uh, the director producer on that show was Mike Fresco, sat by my side, from call to wrap the entire shoot. Like he co-directed it with me. I mean, I owe him and Stephen my career. They helped me get through it, but it went well enough. Uh, that Stephen gave me another episode and I continued to study my laser discs and mm-hmm. I got better at it. And by the time Murder One, we did two seasons, I did like eight episodes, which was a lot. Um, I think that, and then after that, I just went on to do other one more Botchko show called Brooklyn South and directed and produced a lot of them. Yeah. And you did, uh, there, were, there was the other murder, so there was the, 
there was the murder one. I mean, I just got my notes here. Uh, Diary of a Serial Killer, and then Murder One as a were those two different shows? So Murder One, the first season was Murder One. The second season was Murder One, but the last four or five episodes they just grouped it as uh, this thing, The Diary of a Serial Killer, and I think I did all of that. I okay, like, I did like three episodes back to back. He was very generous to me, and it was it's where I learned how to direct. Yeah, because you can't really learn to direct. Unless you're directing. Directing, yeah. You know, you can sit and watch movies all day long, or you can sit next to somebody in the director's chair while mm-hmm. they're directing, but until you're the one responsible for saying, print, mm-hmm. let's move on, or communicating a note to the actor, or getting the camera guys to understand what you want, it's really hard to learn the chops. Yeah. Writing, you can write, 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 write. Yeah, yeah no one to, needs to tell you to write. be able to write. But directing, you have to do it. So uh, I, I was really schooled over there. You know, it's very cool. It was really cool. It was fun. And it so, wasn't fun. It was so scary. I was <laughs> yeah. so scared. Looking back, it's fun. Yeah, looking back is fun. But I remember, like, I couldn't feel my legs half the time. I was so nervous. <laughs> Literally, like, yeah. who am I to give notes to these people who've been doing it forever? Like yeah. Stanley Tucci. I'm giving, you know, yeah, I'm directing yeah. my third episode of TV ever, and I'm giving notes to Stanley Tucci. Are you kidding me? That's crazy. But it was. They were all receptive. It was good. That's was amazing. Fun. I mean, I saw I saw that uh, Rich Richard Fancy, the actor. Was yeah, it? You know, yeah. Was I, I've been in a couple plays with him. Actually, oh, really? He's a really yeah, nice, great, great. guy. He was great. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of great actors that came out of the Botchko camp. Uh, a lot of great directors, too. Um, so was directing something you always, like you said, you, so when you moved out here, like we, what were you telling people that you wanted, to, you wanted to move out here to be an actor? I thought I was going to be an actor. Yeah. And then I looked in the mirror and I realized that is not going to happen. They're okay yeah, if they shoot me straight on, but a profile, it's not going to no happen. No go? No go. Not good. <laughs> it, was, it was, you know... Um, I had a lot of acting experience back in Ohio growing up doing theater and stuff. Okay. And I had, I think that really helped me as a director because I understand yeah, absolutely. acting. And I, you know, some actors, uh, sorry, some directors are really strong visually and some are good Techn- with actors. Yeah. You know, fortunately for me, I had, I was good with the actors. I knew how to communicate what I wanted. Um, and the technical stuff I just learned over time. Yeah. Like that was not innate for me. I didn't just know how to tell the story visually. I really had to steal from everybody for a long time. Um, I feel like to this day. A- acting experiences or being an actor is a great groundwork for a director. Yeah. I think for directing, spending a lot of time in editorial mm-hmm. and and working with actors or having acted is probably the best stuff. Yeah to draw from have i feel like every directing or every any film school should have directors take acting classes absolutely so you actually because it's one thing to like work with actors but to actually have to know how to pro like you know, internalize things and how yeah, it you, actually works yeah and you can't just go up to an actor and go do it better yeah i know you have to yeah be more specific but you can't give them a line reading either no, yeah so you have to understand how to like communicate and intent but, and i'll tell you what else helped honestly it's like in a way you're a psychologist because you have to figure out or psychiatrist, whatever it is, you have to figure out a way to get your message across in a way they understand uh, without having them feel like they don't have a collaborative control yeah. part of it. Because you want them. Um, you want to empower them. You want to empower them, but you want to guide them. Yeah. And also sometimes you work with actors who are so great, they do things you never even expected. And that's, that's when you just love it. When you don't love it is when you see a scene and you go, oh my God, the shape is all wrong. And I have to go tell everybody, figure out how to get the shape. Yeah. You love when you watch a rehearsal and it's way better than you ever pictured it. That's what you love. You just don't want to say anything. Yeah, you don't want to say anything. You've done that, right? Yeah. You've had experiences where you, as an actor, you do a scene and oh my God, it's clicking. Yeah, or you, can you just, just feel know it. it's not. Yeah. And then you're like, Ugh. And there's certain times you do it, you do a take or whatever and you kind of like, yeah, kind of look at the director like a, 
uh, a puppy or something where it's just like you know how I need a little help here. I could feel something was off, or you know. When, you, when you're directing, you love actors who have that attitude. You yeah. Know, sometimes you have actors who don't want to get directed, and that's yeah. hard because you still have to get the performance, but you know they don't really want to be directed. Brad Whitford, I was doing West Wing, and he had a great quote because I was going up to give him a note, and I could tell he was kind of his shoulders went up a little bit. He was like, oh, a little defensive. Not even defensive. I could just tell he didn't want a note from me. So I said, am I giving you too many notes? Mm-hmm. I said, just tell me, I'll back off. He goes, no, 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 you have to understand as an actor what our process is. And I'm going to butcher his quote, but you'll get the gist of it. He said, as an actor, when you see a director coming toward you, as an actor, you think, your first thought is, ugh, I'm terrible. Yeah. Your second thought is, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And then your third thought is, oh, he may be right. <laughs> that's very funny. Right? Yeah. So that's the process. Yeah. And that quote, I, I'm sure I butchered it. I'm sure it was better than that, but... It makes sense. It makes makes a lot of sense. Yeah, the, for, you first see someone coming. You, you don't want necessarily because you see the director walking towards you and you go, "I messed up." Right. That's exactly. The first and you know, no, I didn't mess up. That guy's wrong. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I've worked like even when I was an actor, I always wanted direction because for me it was just like almost approbation. I just wanted to know, am I doing it right? Am I? You know, yeah, I, I know. To, yeah. Am I pleasing you? Tell me. Tell me. And there's some amazing actors who were so like Martin Sheen, so open to directing to direction on West Wing. Like and that surprised me. Yeah. Like I was scared to death the first time I had to give him a note. He's like, "What do you got? What do you got?" So yeah. enthusiastic and open. It just depends. Everybody's different. Everyone's different. Yeah. Well, you never know as a director. You go into a room, you don't know the egos you're going to be having no. to. Mm-mm. And my attitude with. is is always like I am very. I don't ever present like I know everything. Mm-hmm. I'm really collaborative. And oft times I'll say to an actor, I'm like, I can't put my finger on what's not working. Do you have any idea? Like, because it is a collaborative process. Yeah. And and sometimes I see the mistake where directors kind of feel like they have to know everything. Have to know all the time. answers. Yeah. Sometimes it's okay to go, I don't know. Something's not working. Let's try that. Like, I'll give a note sometimes and I'll watch it and I made it worse. And the first thing I'll say is, that's on me. Yeah. I screwed that one up. Let's try it again. You were, you were doing better before I said anything. Disregard. <laughs> And that's okay. Yeah. It's totally fine. Because sense of humor helps everyone through totally. through all of it. I, I Even when I'm doing drama, I try to keep it light. Cause, yeah. Well, you know, I think everybody wants to just feel relaxed and not not feel pressured. Yeah. You know? And there's a lot of pressure like to make your days and everybody wants to do well, of yeah. course. Yeah, the pressure's there regardless. The pressure's there. You don't there. need to add yeah. unnecessary pressure to it. But I, I definitely try to keep it. And I've worked mostly with people who have that same attitude. Kind of so, like the... Yeah, keep the keep volleyball it, up. Keep it up. Yeah. Cheerlead. As a director, you're a big cheerleader. Yeah. Um, I feel like the whole vibe of the set follows the director. Or number one on the call sheet. Yeah. You could be big the big... Time. I've gone into shows as a big cheerleader, and if number one is not a happy camper, I can't sit yeah. there and cheerlead because it just makes them angrier. Yeah. So sometimes that sets the tone, too. Yeah. I shot a movie in uh, Hamilton, Ohio. Where's Hamilton? It's... Uh, it's... It's like an hour outside of Cincinnati. Uh-huh. Never been. Um, yeah. No. What was the movie? It was called Tiger. Uh-huh. It was a boxing movie with Mickey Rourke as oh, the lead. Oh, cool. It was, it was, you know, I was ecstatic to be there. I shot that in 2015. But that was a, a case where the number one kind of, you know. Could be tough. It dictated the, yeah. the energy of the set a lot. It is no fun. No. It or, was, um, yeah, it's, it's very interesting how that can happen. He's are, hot. There are, yeah, she's yeah, panting up a storm. She, yeah, sorry, yeah. There's stories, yeah, there's kind of, you've heard all the classic stories of certain shows where number one was a nightmare. Yeah. 
I would never do those shows. Like, yeah. I would just say no. Yeah. It's just life's too short. Well, I feel like it comes down to, I, you know, sometimes, um, like on this movie, Tiger, I felt like the, the, do you ever feel that there's, like, is there a time when you have to stand up to the number one? Sure. You know what I mean? Like, I, I felt like on this movie, it w- that wasn't happening. So it was really just, It's know, a tricky dance. Yeah, it's a tricky dance, right? I've had, you know, in episodes, I haven't done a ton of guest directing on episodic. You know, I, I've luckily, fortunately, either been on shows or I do the pilots for shows. And the dynamics are different. So as a, when you're doing a pilot, usually you get people at their best behavior because mm-hmm. it's the first episode per se and you're trying to sell the show um but you have a little bit more authority as the director than if you're a guest on episode 200 of a show yeah who's this guy it's like a substitute teacher coming in almost so in those worlds you don't stand up like as a guest director if you have a difficult actor you don't try to be the hero yeah it's their show when you're a guest on a pilot you know it's not really standing up you just try to communicate in a way where you guys can get on the same page with what the tone is or what's Mm -hmm. not working um, but I got to say, for the most part, I've been really lucky. People have been really pleasant. And That's again, great. it's because I don't come in with an attitude of ego or, mm-hmm. uh, I try to keep it really light and collaborative and yeah. then it's hard for them to be a dick. Yeah. Right. If, then the, then if they, I'm not threatening them, it's kind of hard. They have nothing they have to, really to be a really back. obvious dick to yeah, be a dick. Yeah, exactly. Now I was looking through, um, you know, your resume and there's so many of your shows you, we were talking about that before you were in some sort of a producer on the show as well as directing. Right. How does that, how did that come about? I mean, on that one, you started off first being an associate producer, then producer, right. then director. But then I'm like, you know, my name is Earl and Ed, where you're really a, where you're executive producer on both of those. Yeah. And, and major director on those shows. Which one, would, did one come first or was it together that? Well, it's a, yeah. So usually when you do a pilot, after a certain point, you just, it's negotiated that you are titled, whatever you're titled. And okay. I had earned my way up, you know, I think I was a, my first pilot I did, I was probably a co-executive producer and then you become an executive producer. Okay. And then when you stay with the show, if that's your title, that's your title. Um, you know, there's a lot of producer titles in television that, that like a lot of, so now the writers pretty much all get some version of a producer title, but they're not necessarily producing the show like a production yeah. producer does so as a producer director on a show you are actually producing you're you're involved every day in casting and picking locations and uh you know building sets and deciding all the creative stuff and that's the actual producing mm-hmm. as a director you know when you're a guest director on a show you're involved to a certain extent but television is the writers and producers medium okay you know, when you're in the episodic world does yeah that make sense? yeah makes a lot makes sense gonna get really loud because my wife is walking in okay it's okay uh yeah so that yeah so i'm pretty much just most um jelsey's been staying quiet she doesn't care yeah (laughs) good guard dog okay um sorry about that that's fine yeah, so so the producing title kind of comes with it. With doing the pilot. Yeah. Okay. So on my name is Earl, you did the pilot. I on... did the pilot with oh, wow. Greg Garcia, yeah. So did you help develop that did that story come to you like the the So that's a great story. It, so that it, yeah. So I um I've been lucky enough over my career to be under deals at different studios for 
X amount of years. You know, you're on a deal, like NBC kind of owns you and you develop with them and then they can hire you for their projects. Mm-hmm. So at this particular time, I think I was on a deal at NBC and the script came in. Somebody said, uh, this pilot's going to get ordered to, you know, make the pilot, read it and see if you're interested. And I got literally eight pages in and I was like, I, I don't know who this Greg Garcia guy is, but I got to meet him. I love this. This is the best thing I've read in forever. And I read the whole thing, obviously, and I loved it. And I went in to meet Greg Garcia and uh, we just clicked. We just hit it off. He's a great guy, super funny, super smart. And I was like, literally, I was like, I got to do this pilot. I got to cool. do this yeah. pilot. And he said, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we ended up doing it together. And we did, you know, I stayed on that show for two years and it was great. He's just, it was, that was a really, you know, that's one of those shows. So you know what a table read is, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. We, we cast, you know, we got Jason Lee and Jamie Presley and Ethan Suplee mm-hmm. and all these great actors and the script was great. And we went to the table read for the network and the studio and, you know, you know, there's a hundred people in the table read and it was the best table read I was ever part of in my entire life. Really? People laughed from fade in to fade out. And all I could think the whole time is... I'm going to screw this thing up because <laughs> there's no way it's going to live up to that table read. It was so good. Was so and I funny. was flop sweating. Everyone was ecstatic after the table read, except me. I was so scared. <laughs> like, I was how like, do I, this, I, I, am I going to be able to capture this again like, yeah. when we shoot it? And fortunately we did. And it ended up being a really good, really good pilot. Uh, and again, it was the cast and it was the pay, it, the writing was fantastic. That's awesome. So it was, it was, um, that was a great one. Yeah. yeah uh, great concept too. Yeah, super funny. Yeah, super funny. Talk about a show with a light spirit. Like, yeah, we. It was a really challenging show because it was very ambitious. You know, we would do, um, you know, the call sheet would be two pages long because we do that many scenes a day, and it might just be two eighths of a page scene. Mm-hmm. But it was, Randy blows the trailer up, right? Yeah. So it's like seven shots, but it's you know two eighths of a page. So we had really ambitious, fast. The crew we just were running and gunning all the time. Did you have multiple crews, or it was just just a cam. We well, we had two cameras, two, but uh, one crew, and we would just you know we were working in the heat of the valley out in Balboa, and okay, it was yeah. super hot and dusty. And poor Jason was always in jeans and a flannel shirt, <laughs> and, but he always had a smile on his face. And it was the whole crew and the whole team was great. Yeah, like laugh, a lot of laughter, and uh, and doing good work. That was a really fun experience. One of the ones that's more fun looking back. Yeah. Like when you're flop sweating out in the valley heat, wearing jeans yeah, and gosh. like miserable and covered in dirt. It's have the day end already. But. Oh, yeah. And you're like, you're like, I have 15 more hours of work to do <laughs> and I only have three hours to shoot it in. It was, I was trying, but it was great. Have you, have you worked with uh, uh, people on that team again? Well, in different iterations. Like okay. I worked with some of the writers. Um, I don't think I've worked with any of the cast. I mean, in guest spots, like Ethan Suplee was on Santa Clarita Diet. Okay, so yeah. I got to see him, and we got to work together on a few episodes. And I see them in passing. I keep in touch with Jason uh, occasionally. He's, I think he's a photographer now. Okay. Um, Greg Garcia and I are still friends. We we see each other. Santa Clarita Diet Diet is a. Uh, I was looking because I was just looking at your, you know, your all the. TV shows you've done and it kind of started off with all these like murder mysteries and then a lot of comedies that kind of seems like a great combination yeah it was you know it's like it's an interesting so it's interesting in, in this business like you kind of are what you do yeah meaning when I first started off at Botchko I was known as a drama guy and I've always wanted to do comedy like mm-hmm. I grew up loving comedy 
And uh, what's your favorite? What, what movies did you grow up watching? What's well, I grew up the mo- or TV shows. That's not me breathing like yeah. That's <laughs> my dog. Uh, well, like Family Ties, like Michael J. Okay. Fox on Family Ties was one of the things that got me in love with the form, like TV. Mm-hmm. I just thought he was so good, and his comedic timing was so good. And then movies, you know, I grew up Back to the Future and okay. all this, the Goonies, yeah. and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like, that was my fantasy of doing those kinds of things. Which um, is kind of lighthearted uh, action, like adventure. Yeah. I always liked, or, or and early, early on when I was doing pilots, I kind of got into a little rhythm. I was always doing shows that kind of created their own world, and I really liked that. Cool. And now I, there's less of that, right? Things are a little bit more, at least what I've been had the you know opportunity to do has been a little bit more grounded, which is fun too. But mm-hmm. I like creating different worlds. Um, but I started off in the drama world, and then Tommy Schlamy had a show called Sports Night with Aaron Sorkin. Sure, yeah. And uh, somebody had fallen out in an early episode, and my agent was trying to get me in it. And everyone was like, "Well, Buckland does drama." And I met with Tommy, and I was like, "You got to give me a chance, please, give me a chance." And he was really like. Looking back, for him to take a swing on me doing that was really generous of him. And I went in and I did it, and I did a good job, and I ended up doing many sports nights. Um, and then for a while, I was the comedy guy, and I couldn't get a drama. That's crazy, yeah. And then then I got a drama, and then all of a sudden, I was a drama guy. And I could, so it was. It, it's funny, the bouncing back and forth can get tricky. Now, yeah. fortunately, I've done enough drama and comedy, that and you, even multicam, that I'm you're in consideration for it all. I don't always get the gigs, but I'm in consideration for them, so that's good. How did uh, Santa Clarita Diet come about? Uh, I slept with the creator. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's how it always happens. It actually happened. <laughs> Victor Fresco was on My Name is Earl. He worked. I okay. to know him on that. And then we did a pilot together at Fox a few years after that, and he and I just became really good friends, and that was just a relationship. Okay. You know? Who is Barry Katz? Do you listen to him? No, I don't. He does a podcast, uh, uh, an industry industry standard, I think it's called. Okay, it's a it's a showbiz podcast, and he every everything he talks about is relationships, which is really true. Um, and that was a relationship because I I moved. You know, I told you we bought this house back. Yeah, we lived out of town for about ten years. We lived in Northern California. Okay, and being out of town. Uh, I have seen the the ramifications of being out of town now. I'm realizing that when you're not around and you're not creating relationships, it does have an impact. And now that I'm back, I see how important it is to to, to be here to foster those relationships and just to know people and to, yeah. So, um, but that Santa Clara diet was a blast. Yeah, so that's what I was telling you, Tim Oliphant. Yeah, and Drew Barrymore. It was fun. That'd be a lot of fun. Super fun. And Victor's. I don't. I don't know if you know Victor, but he did like uh, Better Off Ted. Okay. Uh, he's got a really specific voice. Really smart. Really funny. Yeah. I love his writing. He's like one of my favorite writers. And this this show was so funny. And you worked on all three seasons, right? Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Have you watched? Yeah, I have watched. It's yeah, fun. It's fun. Yeah. It's really fun. Because I I usually I'm I'm usually not like the biggest. Uh, uh, zombie fan, or but it would yeah. want to be zombies, or but 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 the the lighthearted take that it has on it, you know, it's like yeah, kind of campy, yeah, but still grounded, yeah, yeah, it was fun. Do you watch a lot of streaming stuff? Do you watch a lot of TV? Yeah, I watched most recently. My girlfriend and I just binged uh, Stranger Things. Yeah, which no, we, all of it or just the just the third season. season. We we were caught up, but that I loved. Yeah, it's fun talking about like the Goonies and yeah. all that kind of. Well, that's all about the tropes, right? Yeah, it's, it's all, all about, about the tropes. Yeah, yeah, it's so much fun though. Have you watched Fleabag? No, 
You have to watch Glee. What? Did, what I don't even. I'm not even heard of it. Is that. it Hulu Prime? I th- Hulu or uh, either Amazon Prime or Hulu. Okay. You haven't heard of it? No. You have to watch it. Okay. It's phenomenal. And then did you watch? Uh, is it Dead to Me? I've yeah. It is with called Christina Applegate. Yeah, I have not watched that though. Watch that with your girlfriend. Okay, Dead to Me. Yeah, it's great. Okay, she'll love it. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. Yeah, I'll take I'll take your recommendations. Yeah, worth seeing. And then uh, what 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 caused you to move out of town? Um. I was doing My Name is Earl. We were done with the second season of it, working really long hours. And my wife and I had a two-year-old and just had given birth to a, a new one, okay. a new life form. And since we'd been married, I'd been on shows, like producer, director on shows, and you're there call to a rap every day. That's yeah. the gig. And it's you know, 12, 14-hour days. And on the weekends, I was void of any personality. I was just exhausted, shuffling around. And uh, I came home one day, we just had the baby, and it was the end of the second season of Earl, and I came home on like a Friday night, it was like three in the morning, you know, Saturday morning, whatever, a late shoot, and I opened the door, and we were just bought this house. Oh, wow. And so she funny. was standing in the foyer in her robe at three in the morning when I opened the door, and she said, I need a husband, and the kids need a father. And I said, well, good luck finding that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, not in L.A. I said, well, I, I get it, because I was kind of getting a little burnt out. Yeah. And we said, you know what? Let's let's do it. Let's go. Let's go change life for a little bit. And I I wish that you know I'd like to be somewhere where I could still come down and sure. work. And we did it. We moved up there, lived there for ten years, and made it work. Like I'd come down and do pilots. I would stay on shows occasionally mm-hmm. for you know the first order or the first season, and fly back every weekend. Um, I thought it was pretty great. She got bored up there ultimately. Where were you guys? Los Gatos. Okay. Netflix is net. When I moved up there, Netflix was literally a little sign on a little door front, That's and now crazy. they own the whole town. There's crazy. buildings. It's it's Netflixville. Yeah. Um, but it was cute. It was like idyllic. It's between Santa Cruz and San Jose. Okay. And idyllic little neighborhood. Um, it was a really good place to raise the kids. Nice. But now we're back. Nice. So yeah. now they can get all screwed up down here. <laughs> yeah. They're still young enough. There's we're, still time. There was. I mean, we were just before the podcast talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and yeah. Leo. Throughout his character, throughout it's talking about how, you know, he it's important to own real estate in L.A. So then it tells shows people that you're not just passing through that you know you, you have <laughs> roots that I'm funny. here to stay. Yeah. So it's kind of yeah in line with what you're talking about. Well, it's funny like, like I said. So we moved out of this house, we sold it, and then ten years later we bought it back from the people we sold it to. That is just crazy. That is not a good business move. Don't <laughs> yeah, they're like we know you have it. emotional ties. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, 10 years later, and it was not the same price. Yeah, but I bet not. But it's all good. Um, what would you have advice for someone wanting to, you know, let's say there's someone that wants to direct TV. You know, I know there's a lot of paths, but what, what would you... Boy, it's a whole new world now, yeah. right? Because now everybody has access to the things you need to make a film. Like when I did my little short film that I mentioned, there was no YouTube. There, you know, What did you shoot it on? I shot it on film. I, I begged and pleaded from all the vendors in town. Mm-hmm. I got short ends. Remember short ends? When film, they didn't use the whole roll of film. And whatever was left over was called a short end. Okay. So I got short ends from Kodak when they were still around. I, um, I think it was Keslo or... One of the camera places lent me a camera. Oh, wow. Um, I, I begged the sound guy on one of the Botchko shows to do the sound recording for me. 
uh, it was favors, favors, favors. I spent, you know, 15 grand of my own money and got probably 100 grand worth of favors, yeah. honestly. And I picked all the locations and begged people to let us shoot in the cemetery. And I had a friend who had a studio and we shot, built a set. And okay. It was like, but nowadays, everybody, you know, you're can't, you know, you see great things shot on the iPhone. Yeah. So everybody has access to what it takes now. And you can cut on iMovie or Final Cut or whatever. Um, so I think what people are doing is just getting their stuff seen. You know, get mm -hmm. it up and post stuff on you. I know there's people that are getting directing gigs off of YouTube yeah. things and um, short films out of college. There's just so many possibilities Avenues now. for it, yeah. And, there, and there's so many places to find work, you know. And I do feel like the cream rises to the top. Like, I had never heard of the Duffer Brothers. Had, had you? Yeah, not before Stranger Things. Not looking yeah. at it. I mean, it's amazing. So, and you know, writing, I think, is always a good... I think that, like, if I had to do it all over again, I, I think I would have leaned more into writing because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, a good piece of material is a good piece of material. Yeah. And it can, you know, I can say to somebody in a meeting, I'm a good director, but if I haven't directed, how do they know that, right? Mm -hmm. But if you hand somebody a good piece of paper... You say, I'm a good writer, and they go, well, let's see. That's right. And then it's there, and it's verifiable. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of writer-directors now. Yeah, a lot of that, right? Yeah. And I, you know, that's my fantasy of something I still haven't done is written something, except for my short film, but written and directed my own thing for television. Do you, do, do you, are you Yeah, I have a couple of things right now that are out and about, mm -hmm. which means they'll go nowhere. Yeah. But I'm trying. Taking meetings. Taking meetings. Yeah. Yeah, I've had a couple things come pretty close, like some actors have responded to a couple scripts and I thought it was going to happen, but it's all very complicated. Mm -hmm. So, Also, I'm not known as a writer, so... Uh, it makes it, it's a little bit of an obstacle. They know me as a director, but not as a writer. So, but yeah, so just people just, I just think write stuff, shoot stuff, get your stuff seen. That's yeah. the key. And get good at your craft because if you're given an opportunity, whether it's getting on staff as a writer or getting an opportunity to direct something, you just got to know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. That's the important thing because you may not get the second chance. That's what Botsko said to me. He said, I'll open the door for you, but it's, it's up to you to keep that door open. Yeah. Like if you do a bad job, the door's shut. Um, so, and I do see a lot of different approaches to directing out in the world. Like some people are show up on set and wing it, like figure it out in the moment, which is great if it works for them. I'm the opposite. I like really prep. Like I have a whole, even in TV, I still draw my little drawings. You storyboard. I do because I want to know in my head what the finished product is going to be. Like, on every line of dialogue, I know what piece of coverage I mm -hmm. want to be. And now, does it mean it always is that? No. Does the editor sometimes change it and make it better? Absolutely. Yeah. But at least I have a game you plan. Have that, yeah. Or does an actor not want to do a certain bit of staging? Sure. Like, now that's easy. I can change and go with the flow. But going into it, I need to know what story I, I want I to I feel tell. like that's always going to have better results than... I mean... I think so. To be able to have that as a baseline and then, you know, play jazz with it and kind of play around. That's but right. knowing what you needed... Yeah. Not just, you know, coming in. But you're right. Playing jazz, is a, that's a good analogy because you still know you need what key to be in. Yeah. Right? Or what mode you're playing, but you at least know, I want to get, like, for me, it's like, I really want to get that joke with this piece of coverage. Now, how do I get, even if everything else falls apart, yeah. how do I get that? That piece. Yeah. Have yeah. you found that working with directors, like different approaches? Or? Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I've worked with directors that really shoot from the hip. How do you like that? Uh... At least in my last film that I did where, where I had a director do that, it, it didn't seem like it really turned out that great. 
you know, I actually, I've worked with directors that do do a lot of the storyboarding, mm-hmm. and that is always, I always really appreciate that. Like, I was, did a movie in um, sorry, the, the carbonated waters bubbling up. Yeah, I, that, yeah. <laughs> I did a movie in uh, February where the director made this amazing storyboard, and like, you know, he was like, I don't know if I, if you want to see it or not. I was like, I'd love to see it. You know, and he kind of like had this really well illustrated story and everything, and like that was uh, just knowing too that you're in uh, like safe hands. Yeah, really is a comforting as an yeah. actor. I think you know, you walk in there and you know the director really knows what they want. Yeah, and then when you come up with an idea and it works with him, you know it's really working. It's not just well, uh, yeah, sure. So as an actor, do you like to be told when and where to move and what do do you like being staged? I like being staged if it, if it uh, it helps me. I would rather be staged than not given any business. Right. You know, like like there's a scene. There's like yeah, like you know, come in. Like I would like to have. You know, I don't necessarily need you know reaching with your right hand with that cabinet and that cabinet. But I like at least having come in and you can look through those cabinets and end up over right, here right. on that on around that time. Right. Then it feels like we're working together. Yeah. Dude, what are you working on now? What's what's next? I'm doing um, a show for ABC called Stumptown. Okay. With Kobe Smolders and Jake Johnson. Okay. So we're just um, about to start shooting next week. A week. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's, it's exciting. A drama for ABC. Comedy drama. Yeah. Shooting locally. I wouldn't call it locally. It's Glendale. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's far. <laughs> I might as well be in Vancouver. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It's on. It's on. Uh, I think it'll be Wednesday nights at ten. Okay. Yeah. It's a comedy. It's a. I would say it is a. Proceed like procedural. Okay. I guess. Yeah. In stump Stumptown. Stumptown, yes. Yeah, Stumptown place in Oregon. Okay. So that's why we're shooting it in Glendale. Okay, that kind of makes that's sense. That's a challenge. Yeah, that's. That is this. That's the challenging part of this to make it look like Portland. Interesting. Yeah, I guess there's like. Some, there's like warehouse districts around there. I, I, I've never been well, to Portland. The stages, the stages are out there because that's all that was available right okay. now. But we're we're searching all over LA for for little pockets that feel Portlandian. But it's very dry here as opposed to green, green mm-hmm. lush. So might be shooting it all on a very long lens with everything out of focus. <laughs> there you go. That might be what what happens. I guess you could be like. Down in the art district or parts of Hollywood yeah. where it kind of feels yeah, we, hipstery, yeah. Silver Lake, I guess. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's exactly where we're looking. Um, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Okay. Stump Stumptown is that the, is that the coffee Stumptown? Is that from Portland? No, that's also what Portland's nickname is, a Stumptown. Okay. Because I guess they cut down all the trees back in the day. Oh, stump. 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 Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'll look forward to that. Yeah. Stumptown. Yeah. All right, thanks, Mark. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. You bet. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Take. Please make sure to give it a rating and subscribe. Thank you so much.